Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LifeSphere podcast, where we aim to shed light on the significance of innovation in life sciences, the people, the challenges, and the success stories, all while educating, inspiring, and empowering professionals. Today, our guest is Audrey Greenberg. Audrey is the co-founder for the Center for Breakthrough Medicines. Audrey is a trailblazer in the life sciences industry. Her commitment to her organization and the greater Philadelphia region in pursuit of supporting production and development of life-saving therapies sets a high standard in the industry. Audrey, welcome today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, this is looking like we're going to have a great conversation today. So um, maybe you could share with us just a little bit about yourself um, and your background, and then we can kind of dive into some questions about um what it means to have a world-class biotech hub and just get the conversation going. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm originally from Michigan, so not a native Philadelphian, although I did go to business school here. I spent most of my career, interesting enough, uh, not in your typical biopharma upraising. I started my career on Wall Street, worked in investment banking for a number of years, went to the so-called buy side in private equity, where I worked at a um, $100 billion asset manager in New York and then in Los Angeles. Uh, I started a couple of startups that were very successful, moved to Philadelphia about eight years ago uh, and got to know some of the ecosystem here, got really motivated by the technology I saw coming out of UPenn and CHOP. Uh, and we had acquired the legacy GlaxoSmithKline R&D headquarters here in King of Prussia and decided to transform that into, just like you said, a world-class bioinnovation hub. And really excited to be doing that in the city of Philadelphia with the talent that's here and the ecosystem that's present in a really increasing Philadelphia in the rankings as the number one destination for cell and gene therapy. Awesome, that's really great. So you mentioned um, your background and not maybe what people would consider the traditional life sciences path. Um, and I really wanted to pick up maybe and you could share a little bit about um, so your background in investment banking and you have a couple of startups. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some tactics uh, that you think would be meaningful uh, about startup success. Yeah, I think first thing to know, especially for those out there that are considering starting a company, uh, it's all about fundraising, right? Unless you have the money that it takes to launch your company and take it to the uh, full potential, you're going to need to raise outside capital. And there's some key uh, items that you want to have in place really to be successful with the capital raise. You want to have a great team that's done it before that has a track record. Uh, you want to have a story, a compelling pitch, a market opportunity that shows the imbalance between supply and demand and the need for your product or service. And you really need to have um, a compelling growth potential, right? And so it's not just about meeting an unmarket, unmet market need, but showing the growth over time. So picking the right opportunity, having the right team to help you execute, and constantly refining sort of the positioning of the company in the market. And lastly, what I'd say, look, we raised our capital in the middle of COVID, right? We started the company in 2019. Uh, we raised our capital and closed it at the end of last year. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. And so you have to remain nimble and being able to, you know, successfully transition from either an in-person to a hybrid environment, always staying nimble is important. Yeah, right. 
The um, the key point I think you were talking about there with the capital raise, it's t it's tough to to get out there and, and have that compelling pitch deck. Um, is part of what you might talk about as a strategy, um, is it getting that team that has all of those skills together? Um, or do you think, um, you know, as kind of we were talking about any tactics for success, how do you find those folks? Um, or where can you go, incubators, uh, things like that? Look, we, our team at the Center for Breakthrough Medicines, which we're a cell and gene therapy CDMO, we started this company from scratch and we recruited the number one experts in each of their fields. So we have the number one plasmid production uh, team. We have the number one viral vector manufacturing team, self-therapy production. In each of our leaders of those business units, we hire top down. You start with the best leaders. You let them build their teams. And we really... Um, well, you got to start with your network, right? Uh, you know, who do you know that knows someone that can refer? And then you really look on LinkedIn, who's the number one player in this space, make sure they're highly recommended. And then we just went out there um, really recruiting heavily and creating that compelling story. Startup is really a fun thing to be a part of. So you have that going for you. We're based in Philadelphia. We're convincing people candidly to move from around the world. Our CEO moved here in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, from overseas and creating the story that um, resonates with people. And for me, it's not, it's in my heart, right? I, we're working with patients. We're looking to bring cell and gene therapies to market in a more efficient, effective, and transparent manner, working with the FDA, working with the startups to make sure that their technology efficiently gets to the patient. And that is something that motivates people every day. You're saving lives, these young kids that are dying from rare uh, cancer and rare and genetic disease and some of these wider spread indications, um, you, you know, cancer that breast cancer, lung cancer, uh, colon cancer, all of these things potentially have cures out there through CAR T cell therapy with solid tumor. You're talking about NK and some of these other treatments, making sure that those patients get in that those cures get into the hands of the patients that need them is really what we're doing. And that is a compelling story, not just for me to get out of bed every day, but for everyone that works for us to work hard and make sure that they're doing what they need to do. Yes, um, it sounds like you guys are really creating um, a kind of like a world-class biotech hub, assembling all the components. Um, and that's a story in and of itself, I think. And maybe you could talk a little bit about um, you know, you took over in a facility that was already um, a facility in the life sciences, but I think you've transformed it, you've you've modified it, you've improved it, um, and you've got... Well, look, I mean, you've been to our site, right? I yes. think you've toured it. Um, yes. We've made even more progress since you've been there. Our viral vector suites, every single person that tours these suites and sees them says they're the best suites they've ever seen. It has the, we have end to end comprehensive technology. We have full scale up GMP production at our site, commercial ready from day one. Um, our, we have not uh, cut any corners when it comes to building these suites. So you can imagine it's expensive, but it's really necessary. And you mentioned the ecosystem here in Philadelphia. Look, and not only am I motivated to really help the cell and gene therapy industry, but Philadelphia has the opportunity, like I said at the top of our conversation, to be the number one location for cell and gene therapy. And that means creating a continuum of capital 
and resources from startup all the way through to big pharma to help companies successfully launch their product. So you need the capital, you need the manufacturing, you need the real estate, you need the talent, and you need to be able to easily procure the materials and the supplies that you need to execute. Uh, and by the way, for cell and gene therapies in particular, you also need a robust transportation infrastructure. So being able to transport human samples easily in and out of an international airport to the extent that you're doing autologous cell therapy, uh, where you're taking a patient's uh, T cells, genetically modifying them, and then reinfusing them back in the patient, you need a robust cold chain like we saw with the pandemic and the vaccine. So Philadelphia really has the great groundwork to propel us into the number one position. But look, if we take a step back and we say, how do you create this world-class bio innovation hub? We really have everything that's needed. We've got the research institutions. We have the talent. We have the transportation infrastructure. We have that continuum of capital. People complain that we import a lot of capital, but candidly, I don't think that's such a big deal. We can have some homegrown capital, but importing capital from New York and um, overseas, I think it's okay so long as you have access. Um, and then when it comes to the Center for Breakthrough Medicines and King of Prussia, we are part of a larger ecosystem here in Philadelphia, but we're also part of our own um, center out in King of Prussia, which includes the Discovery Labs. So at our site, we have the University of Pennsylvania, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Jefferson Health, Toso Biosciences, New Excel, Seed Therapeutics. We also have Life Sciences of Pennsylvania, which is one of the largest state uh, advocacy organizations in the country with almost a thousand member companies. So having Life Sciences Pennsylvania run by Chris Molino and Karen DeLon on our site is just great. Yesterday, actually, we did a Cradles for Crayons event. Just having some of these nonprofit institutions that we can help and create a community of um, of not just life science, but helping to train the next generation of talent. Philadelphia in particular, which is a minority majority city, has the opportunity to train this next generation of talent in STEM careers. So you can take an individual that maybe did not graduate college or just has a um, high school education or maybe even somebody that didn't finish high school and train them in warehouse or logistics or manufacturing, GMP aseptic manufacturing techniques that can create a great career for that individual, a wonderful salary and allow them the opportunity to really change the course of history for uh, their family. Yeah, so um, I, I think all of your points are, are so well said. Um, the, the one thing maybe that I heard uh, we could ask you to kind of talk a little more about is I, the idea of the ecosystem. I think I think you touched on and I think I hear it from a lot of people. Uh, you talked about the talent. You talked about the, the cold chain. You talked about uh, the logistics. So um, how did you come to it sounds like Center for Breakthrough Medicines is rather unique in what it supplies. So you identified um, a need, it sounds like, which is the key if we talked a little bit about startup and creating a world-class uh, biotech hub, you were able to identify a need. Um, and now it sounds perhaps that it's, um, the demand is now beginning to actually really, you need to expand, add more, um, 
capacity. Yeah, I mean, you've been reading these articles about, yeah. um, you know, some of the CAR T cell therapies. Unfortunately, there's a Sophie's Choice going on where doctors have to decide who gets the therapy because there's not enough therapies being produced. I mean, that's heartbreaking. That shouldn't be happening. We can build the space um, and we can get these therapies to patients. So the demand has been there, by the way. The demand was there even before the pandemic. Look, when we bought this site, we originally bought the site to create um, just, we were going to be landlords, just leasing the space and making, you know, creating a cell and gene therapy hub, but just as landlords. And we were, as we were showing the space to tenants, one after the next was manufacturing, manufacturing, manufacturing. Eventually a light bulb goes up. We have this relationship with Deerfield Management in New York, who's saying they can't get viral vectors. There's an 18 month wait, two year wait to get vector. Well, that's, you know, not only is it heartbreaking that patients aren't getting these cures and people are dying, but I've, there's a market <laughs> supply demand imbalance. You know, there's an opportunity there as well. So doing well by doing good. So we decided to start a CDMO. Like I said earlier, we hired experts from around the world and those at local in Philadelphia. We now have 400 people that are experts in cell and gene therapy manufacturing that are meeting the market demand. And candidly, yeah, so in our million square feet that we have on our site, uh, it is fully leased in terms of the discovery lab side and the center for breakthrough medicines, all of our labs as they, and our suites, as they come online are getting taken. And so there is clearly a need for this capacity and expertise and talent uh, to bring these therapies to market and to do the clinical tri trials needed to prove um, that they're successful. Um, and so we're happy to meet the market need there, but it's also a compelling story when you have cancer and genetic disease that isn't being treated. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is heartbreaking. And it's amazing how you guys were able to kind of be nimble, as you said, and pivot a little bit from the original plan uh, to recognize an unmet need and then, you know, go out there, find the funding and, and meet that need. Um, yeah. And you know what else is really important is having relationships with academic institutions. So we announced in January of this year that we entered into a sponsored research and joint manufacturing agreement with the University of Pennsylvania's gene therapy program, translating technology out of academic institutions to create commercial success stories is key. There's something called the valley of death. And it's, you know, yeah. after, you know, you have sort of a proven modality, being able to to get the funding, the resources, to get it through the FDA process and into commercial is very difficult. It costs billions of dollars. It takes a number of years and the resource constraints are um, cannot be underestimated. And having, like I said earlier, that continuum of resources is what's required. So we entered into this partnership with University of Pennsylvania so that rare disease indications can get the funding and the access that they need to get through the approval process with the FDA uh, and be licensing a platform that is proven successful for manufacturing these therapies. A lot of the innovation in cell and gene therapy is happening in academic labs. And while a scientist may be great at discovering a gene of interest that can cure a genetic disease, they may not be as great as figuring out the chemistry that's required for massive scale up in a bioreactor, right? And so that's where CBM comes to the table. We'll take your discovery. We'll make a repeatable manufacturing process around it so that it can easily scale up to meet the demand of the market. So we take, uh, we create a process in terms of manufacturing process. And by the way, 
wrap around all the testing and analytics that go with it in terms of analytical development and assays to prove to the FDA what's required for for its uh, commercial use. And so all of that and having getting that early in the process so that you don't have speed bumps down the road is critical to getting these therapies into patients' hands. So CBM provides all the necessary resources, analytical methods, manufacturing scale-up technology, so that innovator companies can focus on what they're supposed to be focused on, which is finding the next cure, finding effective cures, and we can focus on at CBM scaling that up and producing it for them. That sounds so great and amazing. Um, <clears throat> So it sounds like we're kind of talking a little bit even about the future of medicine and possibilities. And I think um, in your conversation, you talk about cell and gene therapies. And and it, to me, uh, and everything that you can read, it, this is really a huge part of the future of solutions for folks with not just the most rare, but more mainstream uh, issues and challenges. So maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how you see that kind of unfolding uh, as yeah. you're working with all of these. Yeah, it's interesting. If it, A lot of people like to compare this to MAVS, but for those that don't maybe know sort of the life science history, right? Right now, the way that we're growing cells has transformed significantly. So you basically have... Um, a bioreactor, but historically we were using cell stacks and adherent technologies, basically cells growing on plastic. But there's ways, and, and that is not, you could have football fields of these of these cell stacks. It's just not a scalable technology. You would need tons and tons of space. By the way, all of it is exposed to air, which needs to be extremely pure. So having closed systems so that the grade of the space isn't as expensive to build and the maintenance and the utility requirements aren't as large so that you can reduce the cost of goods sold for these therapies is really important. And that comes in platform process improvements in terms of being able to use better bioreactors, better downstream purification methods so that the manufacturing process is more efficient. That comes in enclosing systems so that the grade of the space doesn't have to be as clean so that uh, you can reduce your costs. And it comes in automation and artificial intelligence so that you can improve your process along the way through understanding what worked, what didn't work, what cell line um, is more effective. And, and having all of the key components in place is really the future of cell and gene therapy. And there's a lot of folks out there, by the way, working on better capsids uh, so that the gene of interest gets to the particular part of the body that it needs to, doesn't have the immuno effects that it did have, making sure that we're able to get through the blood-brain barrier so that neurodegenerative diseases can be treated. There's a lot of smart scientists out of there working on these subjects, but the bottom line is it's going to be, you know, another five to 10 years before we can efficiently produce these therapies. And the future of medicine is bright. Those out there with cancer and genetic genes, disease that have family members or themselves individually that have been affected know that there is a very bright future and there's a lot of smart people working on it, not just on the science side, but also on the production side. Yeah, and I think one of the things that um, we're starting to see um, 
and it's a, a part of my space, um, is that the data now um, is is creating opportunities in things like robotics, artificial intelligence, where you can improve the timeline by getting a little smarter with some of these. Um, uh, so technologies combining across what I would call maybe non-standard, what would be considered non-standard before. So combining other types of, of intelligent applications and things like that. So I totally agree that um, there's so much, there's just so much opportunity. Um, so um, one of the other things that I think, um, you know, we've talked a lot here and we talked a little bit about you, we've talked about everything that's happening um, at the center and, you know, everything that you see coming down the line in Philadelphia in the future. I wonder, you know, a lot of, um, you have a lot of background in history. Maybe there's a little bit about yourself that the folks here might want to know that maybe they can't necessarily um, um, know from, you know, just what's out there in the press and those kinds of things, because you have been on quite a few publications and shows and stuff, or maybe there's an interest uh, that, you know, someone who uh, otherwise wouldn't know about it would be interested Google in Google knows everything. Google knows everything. No. <laughs> Now, look, I mean, you know, what's interesting. I feel like our personal and professional lives are merging more and more every day. Like if you looked at someone's LinkedIn profile versus their Facebook profile, maybe that the worlds of personal and work are merging more and more. And I think the Internet has certainly helped with that. And by the way, it's helped with rare disease. It connects rare disease patients with the with the treatments. But I think that, look. I am, I've always been and lived by the motto of sort of open book. I'm myself, I'm the same person at work that I am at home. I'm as transparent as I can be with the people that I work with. Um, and I openly share what I'm working on with my friends and family. So, I mean, something that's interesting, I think about me perhaps is something that I sort of noted at the top of the call, which is, you know, I spent, I'm 50 years old. I spent you know, the first 45 years of my life really focused on, you know, certainly after graduating college <laughs> uh, on finance, right? I, I spent yeah. my career on Wall Street and private equity, and I loved to to do that. It was very compelling to me, the, you know, understanding sort of the dynamics of capital structure and the efficient way to raise money and deploy capital. But at some point, you know, you ask yourself, uh, maybe it was in my 30s that I started coming to the realization, like, what is the purpose of all this? And what who am I really benefiting? Um, and I came to the conclusion that I, I wanted to do something with my life that had sort of a triple bottom line impact, which included not only obviously making money, but also benefiting society um, and, and, and doing that in a way that's environmentally conscious and that benefits um, underserved populations um, and that creates uh, a world where we can all be working towards a, a greater purpose of, of benefiting each other. So that's what motivates me every day. I think that that's probably not completely obvious through Google search or whatnot, but uh, having a young family, working in Philadelphia, having lived sort of around the United States, it gives me a unique perspective in addition to having worked in so many different industries and a lot of different roles from CFO to business to strategy. Um, I think this unique 
sort of worldview allows me the opportunity to make a difference for not only patients and not only in cell and gene therapy, but for Philadelphia and the global community um, to really help us propel these treatments forward. Right. One might say a little bit of organized chaos, right? <laughs> it is really uh, behind the curtain, right? The show <laughs> right. is always looking very nice, but behind the curtain of three young kids, two dogs, um, you know, just working around the clock, there's always um, nothing's perfect, right? And ba the balancing act that occurs in terms of your personal and professional life, um, your friends and your family. Um, you know, I lost my father this year to heart disease. Um, and it's just getting through that and realizing what's really important, which is connecting with people, having beautiful interactions with them, and making sure that, you know, your life and your experience on this planet is not wasted. You know, um, I, I've never seen that more than this year in losing my father and really realizing what's important in life, which is connecting, making a difference, um, enjoying as much time as you can and really getting a fulfilling experience out of life and work and everything in between. Right, that's what it's all about. Well, I just wanna say thank you so much, Audrey. This has been a really awesome conversation. So much uh, that you talked about, so much that you're doing. It's very exciting. And I'm really, really thankful to have had you join us today. Thanks so much, Audrey, for an awesome conversation today. This has been the LifeSphere podcast with Kathy Bruner. If you're enjoying the LifeSphere podcast, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and share us with your friends. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with change agents in life sciences, helping win the race against time and create better patient outcomes. Until next time.